house. No, the right no, house. I didn't get We want to talk to Marilyn Hack. I'm from Canada Water. Waiting on my girlfriend. She got these birds tattooed on her hands here. Nightingale. Good luck, birds. I just can't spend the rest of my life running away with him. She don't care about nobody but herself. Are you stuck off in that island? Because of her. Ma'am, have you seen this man? No, sir. Son, have you? What do you do? This river brings a lot of trash down. You gotta know what's worth keeping and what's worth letting go. You never said your name. Mud. You can call me Mud. Hello and welcome to the This Had Oscar Buzz podcast, the only podcast that is upheld by an overgrown blackberry bush. Every week on This Had Oscar Buzz, we'll be talking about a different movie that once upon a time had lofty Academy Award aspirations, but for some reason or another, it all went wrong. The Oscar hopes died, and we are here to perform the autopsy. I am your host, Chris File, and I'm here, as always, with my former girlfriend with the bird tattoo on her hand, Joe <laughs> Reed. I am uh, headed into the Piggly Wiggly. I am uh, picking up some groceries and whatnot. You're going to very um, mindfully contemplate a wall full of potato chips. Right. I'm going to ignore the cat calls of the 14-year-old little shits in the parking lot. Uh, Flip them a bird with your tattoo hand. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I intentionally tried to make you Reese. I knew that would make you happy. Thank you. That does mean a lot to me. You know, you know me very well. I'm excited to talk about Reese in the context of this movie as well. No, Sarah Paulson also, I think, uh, uh, shows up in in this movie in this very, very Boise movie and not not Boise as in Idaho. Uh, <laughs> Boise, but also a very stacked cast. We're going to get into it. I'm excited to talk about this movie. It was picked Me too. by our special guest today. Uh, you know her as the uh, TV critic for Vulture. It's Roxana Haddadi. Yay! Hello. Welcome! Uh, thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming it. on. We're so yeah. excited. Very excited to, to talk about this movie with yeah, you. I'm, I'm excited to, because it's always interesting when a guest picks a movie because of just like we we send out like a list of stuff to you and it's like it could kind of be anything that you come back and you kind of came back somewhat definitively about this movie yeah i think it was like an all caps like we're talking about mud or we're doing nothing (laughs) yeah i feel like that was very much the case mud hits like all my boxes it's as my partner calls it it's a movie about guys being dudes which is like my number you, one. I do feel I've I feel like I've gotten that vibe from, just from like following you on Twitter and like yeah. interacting and stuff like that. Like this feels like very wheelhousey for you. Yeah, I love it very much. So I'm very excited to dive in. I love it very much. It makes me so sad that it has become this like I mean, I guess the cult classic is like a good thing in its own way. But yeah. this is like the Jeff Nichols film for me. We'll definitely get into the Jeff Nichols of it all. And I do feel like he's a filmmaker who has been real quiet for the last good little bit of time. And Except he for does have Song a few Kang things. Ho his best actor prize at Cannes this year. 
Yeah. He does feel like he's kind of ramping up, maybe hopefully to get kind of back into things. And I'm very much looking forward to that. And I think the more that Jeff Nichols is in the sort of current film conversation, the more that something like Mud will be referred back to and talked about. And I think because it's uh, this was my first time watching it since I had seen it when it was originally out. Mm-hmm. And I remember liking it at the time, but going back into it, I was a little bit like, I've already seen it. I don't think about it too much. Am I going to like it less the second time around? And even in the early going, I was like, right, like it's, you know, grimy and dirty and McConaughey and the boys and that. I'm like, no, this movie like really goes and hits and thank you yeah i really i this confirmed to me that this is a really really good movie and it is probably definitely my favorite of the of the jeff nichols movies yeah i also think to your point of like him having gone away for a while i am sort of pleased that he like am i remembering correctly that he was gonna do a quiet place but he didn't or did he do a quiet place too and i blocked it from my memory no he was gonna do a spinoff movie and then i think Somebody else is doing that now. Okay, I think it was okay. a, It was the like a prequel, a Quiet Place universe. Things are bleak. Guys. Like, <laughs> listen, the a Quiet Place universe does happen in Western New York, close to Buffalo. So, like, it's I'm Buffalo cinema, so it gets a pass. That like now. does that, but um, I also yeah. kind of like the Quiet Place movies. But I, that's not what I wanted for Jeff Nichols. Well, no. and I, I, I don't know where I. If I think it was a prequel that it was supposed to be, and now I think he's passed that off onto somebody else, but is now mm-hmm. doing something adjacent to it, whether it's a genre mm. film or it's like a quiet place side quest. I'm not yeah. sure. See, I don't think he's doing. I think he's he's away from that now. Um, I, hope that he, I hope that he shook off the bonds of John Krasinski and was like, <laughs> let me go my own way. <laughs> my feeling about it is, is like, if he wants to make a Quiet Place movie, whether it's adjacent, sequel, prequel, whatever, and it goes and makes a shit ton of money, and the movie is fine, and then he can go and do whatever else he wants. Sure. Like, one happen. for me, one for you. Yeah. yeah, that whole shebang. I just feel like he's so much more interesting than that. Yeah. Yeah, well, and this is, and and he's also, he w- got caught up in, he was developing a, a Alien Nation movie for right. Fox. I totally and that, and he was that. like, and that was the big part of the reason why he hadn't made anything for a while after Loving and Midnight Special is because yeah. he was working on this like $100 million, his big movie was going to be Alien Nation, which was going to be very tangentially related to the television show, mm-hmm. but under that name. And then the Fox sale to Disney killed, killed that, killed that project. And I don't think he's ever talked about it, but like just from the way he talked about the Alien Nation movie building up to it, like he gave mm-hmm. a lot of interviews while he was making that and developing that, and he seemed to be really investing a lot of himself in it. So I imagine that was a blow. That yeah. was a really big blow. And yeah. so n- now, and that happened, the, that sale was what, 2018? Yeah, it was like 2018 so, or 2019. Widow's time. Right. Oh. And, yeah. And so now I feel like he's just sort of like getting back into he's working on something apparently. I mean, I don't know. Everybody's there's a lot of like 
stray mentions in articles from like a year or two ago where it's like he's working on a Che Guevara project maybe with Adam Driver and he's working on on. an unspecified sci-fi thing for Paramount and nothing like this is reflected on his IMDb so I don't know how far any of this stuff is there's a movie on his IMDb called The Bike Riders that is about a Midwestern motorcycle club okay that that sounds that sounds tight Austin Butler, good. Boyd oh, Holbrook, Michael Shannon, of course, filming, Tom Hardy. Though? I think this is filming. Yeah, I think, says pre-production, but if it's yeah. filming, like that's yeah. that's what he's doing. Because I yeah. think there was like a Hollywood Reporter or Deadline, some trade had like okay. a the cast is like rounding out, and Boyd Holbrook's name was mentioned, and my body erupted in flames. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like ah! utterly <laughs> shocking that Boyd Holbrook has not been in a Jeff Nichols movie. <laughs> yeah, like I feel like yeah. it makes so much sense. It's so interesting to me because like he's the villain in the new Justified, right? And I feel like oh, Justified and Jeff Nichols are like a universe overlap. Like <laughs> I haven't been paying attention to the new Justified. I didn't even yes. realize that that was like happening. Oh wow, yes. well, that makes a ton of sense. By the way, the 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 other the non Ty Sheridan kid in Mud mm-hmm. was I looked up his credits because I was like, mm-hmm. where what he's working? What happened he to him? Doing? He yeah. was on Justified for like several episodes. I was like, that yep, that tracks. <laughs> yes, yeah. he had like a yes. season long arc on Justified, but it was the season with Michael Rappaport. So like. That, I hated season that season is so bad. I hated that season. That season yeah. was so bad, but like he was yeah. good, and it was just a bummer that he was stuck with like this terrible. I should pitch something on like the the casting, the cast sort of uh, tendrils of Justified, and how many people that sort of launched. Because like the Caitlyn Deaver thing is the thing I always think about. Because mm-hmm. like all those people who are like Caitlyn Deaver is one of the people who got launched by Short Term Twelve, and I was like, yeah, if you didn't watch Justified, yeah, and if you didn't watch Justified, like get away from me forever. <laughs> like, what a my show! Life. Yeah, what a Sorry, show! Can, can yeah. we backtrack? Uh, Adam Driver is this Adam Driver as Che? I would know about that, but... Also, the last mention of that movie, I believe, was in an article in, like, 2020. Okay. So... Okay. Like a millennium. That may not be happening anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Two years ago in movie time is, like, I don't know But this is my thing. This is what I'm saying about Jeff Nichols, is he's almost, like an urban legend at this point where he's oh, just like no. there's all these like you know projects and he's he on this thing and he's he on that thing and yeah. how much of a quiet for place biker is he still movie, he could be the next chad field for all we know that's what i'm yeah but, like with this biker movie i'm like oh he's coming back and it's not a tv show it's a movie, it's a movie. and i'm so because he was part of that for a while because when the alienation thing fell through they were like well maybe it'll happen as a TV show, Disney right. approached him about that. And I'm like, there's already, like, Alfonso Cuaron went and did a TV show. Barry Jenkins went and did a TV show. And I'm just like, it's great, and I love them, and get your money, and do your projects, and whatnot. I want them all to be making movies. Steve McQueen, yeah. I want them all to be making movies. And it's funny, because I read this interview with Nichols in, like, 2018, when he was still developing Alienation as a movie. And he was talking about television, the same thing we all talk about television, 13 episode seasons that feel like they're padded out too much, uh, TV shows that feel like they are all just cliffhangers for the next episode. And you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, five part docuseries that feel like they should be three parts, all of this mm-hmm. stuff. 
And so, like, he knows it, and then it was sort of a bummer to be like, oh, but then after your project gets killed, the only place to go is television. And then the next thing, the next quote I read was like, we're thinking about maybe if we do Alienation as a TV series, do it as a TV series, but like a ten, a movie in ten parts. And I'm like, Jeff, they got you too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's like very, like, depressing to me, because in general, like, I love TV, hence being like a TV critic, right? Like, sure. TV and movies were like always like admirable for different reasons. And I do feel like, yes, like now that we have these movie universes, like mocking quiet place or whatever, but now that we have these movie universes, it's like no movie in that system feels fully complete. Like all that stuff, like blah, blah, blah. But I just wanted him to be doing something. Yes. And so to hear that he is coming back with like a movie that sounds like it will be like a fully fledged, contained mm-hmm. idea like yep. i can respect that now yep. i would still probably watch this idea in a tv show <laughs> <laughs> same i watch a ton of tv like yeah. i am not better than tv yeah. i genuinely do prioritize movies more and i'm not gonna whatever yeah. like but, but it's like different when is something is movie conceived, yeah exactly intended exactly. and yeah. like told within the storytelling framework of tv or movies, and not when it's like one thing trying to yeah. capture what the other thing does, what is yeah. designed to do. And I think it's frustrating, too, to feel like one medium is where these directors have to go because the business of the other medium has failed them. Like, yeah. I just feel like that sucks regardless. Yes. Like, if directors were being run out of TV and then having to go make movies, I would still think that sucked. Because it's like, yeah. ultimately, I think that both mediums are, like, lovely and have my yeah. full, undeserving admiration. But it's sort of yeah. just like, it would be nice if you could make the thing you want to make and not feel like you have to compromise because of right, right. X, exactly. Y, and Z. Um, but yeah. So it's I'm, great to know that he's like that this movie seems like totally within like his bag of tricks. Yes. With an array of hot men who I will be really excited to watch on screen. I'm saying and brings that brings us right back to mud then, doesn't it? Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. uh an array of men in various stages of griminess, I Grimy feel like. Undress. Jeff Nichols Grimy had undress. the um the daring the uh, audacity, the vision to give Matthew McConaughey fake teeth. He really, yeah. He was like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do it. Like, Speaking of happen. stages of dress and undress, and I'm only mentioning this now because I'm worried I'm going to forget about it, but this mm-hmm. is jumping to the end. The scene towards the end where he's shirtless working on the boat and mm-hmm. then Neckbone is like, Alice is in trouble. And mm-hmm. he gums and runs and he grabs the shirt off of off the thing. The and branch. the next. And the next thing you see, it's fully buttoned up. And I'm like, y'all, like, what? (laughs) You took the time to button your shirt while you're running for this kid's Listen, See, that's the thing. We didn't need that cut. Like, I want to watch Matthew McConaughey sprinting across a sandy beach toward, like, a crack full of snakes buttoning up his shirt. What's the coordination there? I want to see that. I want to see. That's a a stunt that I want to see performed. I want to see it well before he gets to the, like, pit of hell also known mm-hmm. as the pit full of snakes because you say snakes and i'm out i'm like perfect yes. time to take a pee break because <laughs> i yeah. live in an irrational fear at any time that a snake could jump out fully in my house so a like oh could, do not could, watch those ju- scenes i'm sorry chris could jump out yes this do is snakes uh, jump uh, this is the brian fellows school of animal <laughs> logic <laughs> 
I like that in this Zoom call, though, we can see the shelf above Chris's head right now. And if there were yeah. a snake to, like, just jump out of there and fall down upon, we'd know about it before I'm going to spend the rest of this call thinking that a snake could be falling on No, me. this listen, living in New York City and living in apartment buildings, every once in a while, I will land on the thought of, like... I don't know what my neighbors are doing. I don't know what my neighbors have in their apartment. I don't know what kind of exotic animal. And like, if a snake gets loose and then into the walls and whatnot. You're not going to get it out unless it comes out. That's the thing. And you hear these stories about people just like, well, there's a boa constrictor in my very urban apartment. And how did that happen? Because one of my neighbors had it and it got out and it got into the walls. And then all of a sudden it's my problem that I have a snake that I can't get rid of. Unless you have a neighbor named Neckbone, I think you're okay. (laughs) But see, okay, so there are two two follow-ups for that. One (laughs) is that this is why Florida is like horrifying, right? Like I have been to Florida. I think it's fascinating. Like I've been to the Everglades. They're beautiful. Like I legitimately have a lot of like I would love to explore florida if there were no people feelings (laughs) right but the fact that it's like overrun by burmese pythons because everybody in the 80s and 90s just let their pythons out and they took over the everglades is horrifying to me that is like there was one recently where it was like i think it was 18 feet and like 300 pounds no, that they found you. in the Everglades, and I'm like, no, thank absolutely you. not. Like this motherfucker could eat an alligator. Like I could not do that. When I was in high school, I was on a, a school trip with the baseball team, even mm-hmm. though I didn't play baseball. It's a long story. Um, to Florida, mm-hmm. and I kept the book. It was the nerdiest way of going on a baseball trip. Aww. I kept the book for the baseball. Team. I kept the book for <laughs> softball in middle. There you school. go. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I totally forgot. I still remember, like obviously the numbers for all the positions, but other than that, yeah. Um, but anyway, my uncle was sort of a, a friend of the coach, so he went on the trip too. Mm-hmm. And but he just was like, you know, paling around doing whatever. And so he had gone golfing the one morning and he came back and just one of those and it's these stories you hear all the time of just like, yep, alligator right there on the golf course, right on the green of as he's trying to putt or whatever. And I'm like, that's very Florida. Is this that's, where that's gator where golf comes Florida. from? Like maybe. Uh, that maybe. children's game was invented by uh, someone maybe. in Florida. <laughs> maybe. They're like, maybe. we have to normalize this by making it acceptable to children. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. What we have to, that's what we have yeah. to do. It uh, is sort of appropriate that we're, our conversation is traveling into these circles for mud, because mud definitely feels like of the, it's not set in Florida, it's set in Arkansas, mm-hmm. but in this sort of like, you never quite know what you're going to find around the like bend of this nook of the river or whatever. You're and in this find case, a tree it's a house that's filled with baked beans and porn. Going to find mm-hmm. a boat up in a tree and mm-hmm. how did it get there? You don't know, but you're going to find out because you're a kid and your best friend's name is Neckbone. So you obviously will be investigating this to the fullest. That's and your it. name is Ellis. Like, yes. that is also, like, a very, you know, like, I feel like that's, like, a I gotta see what's happening in these waters. Yeah, Sandy exactly. beaches. Great. Excellent details all around. And So I, I guess we... Please. I guess we don't have to ask you why you chose mud then, because like, this feels like... <laughs> we feel, it feels like we've, we've fully investigated the appeal <clears throat> of the show, of the movie, rather, the show. See, now yeah. I'm How it. dare you? Well, and I think something that's, like... 
again, that's like very fascinating to me about this is that it feels so born of a like specific time and place and experience that I've never looked into if Nichols has ever given interviews about like how this idea came to him or like yeah. any of that stuff. But it just feels so specific that I really appreciate that sort of like I'm going to tell the yeah. story about somebody who's made mistakes and what happens yeah. when those mistakes catch up to you and draw. Well, I think you even see that specificity in like the protagonist and his family's life. Like they're just mm-hmm. these people that their house is on this river. Like they live mm-hmm. in a floating house. I have never seen that story before. I've never heard that story before. Yeah. Like, Very yeah. specifically American. And mm-hmm. the movie itself says it like ways of life that are disappearing because the landscape we're in is disappearing. Yeah. So what does that feel like? But yeah. Uh, but yeah, very much my shit. So we've gone over that part of it. So with first time guests, though, we mm-hmm. also want to know about your relationship to the Oscars because we are mm-hmm. an Oscars adjacent podcast. Mm-hmm. And we tend to sort of talk about it as an origin story. Speaking of the films that are terraforming <laughs> our, uh, our cineplexes. Um, but what is your, how'd you come to sort of appreciate the Oscars if you do? I think that probably, well, okay. So we grew up like just watching award shows. I don't necessarily know why we did that. I mean, my parents were into movies, but not really into like contemporary present day movies. We were very Mm -hmm. much like a classic watching like David Lean, watching Audrey, watching Marilyn, watching Hitchcock, all that stuff. Yes, like we did a lot of that stuff growing up. And I think we just usually watched TV on Sunday nights because there was either, well, every Sunday we watched 60 Minutes, me and my dad. Sure. And then if there was football, we would watch football. And then I feel like if there was an awards show, the TV just like stayed on. (laughs) Um, And then I think like probably my first specific experience of being like, we have to watch this, like my active desire to watch was probably Titanic. Yeah, always the perfect answer. That's a very popular answer. I definitely think it was Titanic year because I remember, I mean, whatever, everyone remembers it was fucking (laughs) Titanic, it was everywhere. And the last good monoculture. Yeah, and so I have, like, very specific memories of wanting to watch that, and yep. that was the same year that Elliot Smith performed, right, for mm-hmm. Good yep. Hunting. Yep. I hadn't seen that yet, but I remember his performance and just being very, like, this is sad, and it's making me feel stuff, and I don't know how I feel about that quite yet. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so I definitely feel like Titanic was it, and then it basically was just, like, every year we should watch this. Yeah. Although, again, we were not really watching the movies that were nominated at the time. Yeah. It became sort of like this guiding, like, what are they going to wear? What's going to get nominated? Like, sure, yeah. What are people yeah. going to say? All of that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one thing you sort of, maybe we don't think about as much is we assume that an Oscar audience is going to be drawn in by the movies and the nominees. And should we nominate the popular movies? Because that's how we're going to get people to watch. And there are a lot of people who just sort of watch the Oscars because it's the Oscars, because it's this big glitzy event. And this is why I always talk about like that the Oscars – in however we want them to 
you know, reform themselves and make sure that they are being as inclusive as possible and make sure they're being as, you know, forward moving as possible. I do feel like there is a there is an aspect to the fuddy-duddiness of the Oscars that is essential to them because that's what makes them the Oscars. Otherwise, they would just be the MTV movie and TV. Yeah, so like, you know what I mean? That's exactly how I feel. And ultimately, I feel like every awards show has its own identity. Yes. And I don't need the, I don't need the Oscars to be hip. Like, nope. I don't nope. need that. That's not all. their thing. That's we not do that's not why we a pageant though, because I feel like in yes. recent years they've been stripping the pageantry of them and that yeah. is yeah. part of the problem because then it's just boring. You know, right. like my like my general feeling and you guys know this from like following me on Twitter is like rich people <laughs> bad, right? Like I have a yes. very like <laughs> I have like a very like your wealth is disgusting to me and right, I will right. be rolling out the guillotine. But <laughs> also like that's just what the Oscars are. Yes. And so I feel like the Oscars apologizing for being the Oscars and sort of removing that pomp and circumstance. And like, yeah. I don't know, should we focus on the red carpet? I'm not sure. Should people not sit at tables together because it's exclusionary and elitism? Right. Like, elitism is your bag. Just like, yes. accept yes. that that's what it is. Like, and I feel like the problem with so many hosts too, right? And like, this is the Ricky Gervais effect. It's like, wow, look at all these rich assholes congratulating right. themselves. Sir, you also are a yes, rich asshole. Yes, I was going to say, if you are also a rich asshole, I don't want to hear it. Right, right, exactly. The whole ecosystem is you guys. So, yes. like, on yeah. this one night, I will let that slide. <laughs> right. And I want to watch you all just do whatever it is you do right. when you're together. Like, that's what Even among their, see. like... Even among their choices, every once in a while you'll see something where, like, the Oscars Twitter account will post something that is in praise of a movie that never got Oscar Oh my god, all the time they do that A now. comedy, or a horror movie, or a sci-fi. You mean, like, when they wished Amy Adams happy birthday and everyone dragged yes. them? And people will get so <laughs> mad about that, and you're just like, well, you didn't like it at the time, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but that also is what the Oscars is, which is, right. in the moment, they are, their taste is very uh you know stuffy and 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 then 20 years later when all of a sudden something has been subsumed into the culture and all of a sudden has a little bit of a snobby appeal they'll go for it then and i'm like that's that's fine that's That's fine well that's also a marker in a way that like it doesn't just mark what this group said was the best at the time but it also being in the position that they're in, it allows for movies that are reassessed later on or appreciated later on to say, why wasn't that yeah. an Oscar nominee and or an Oscar winner? reassessing you know? movies later on is a huge part of film culture that I really like. Yeah. And I Love don't want to, like, to me, it's like, it's not worth the dunk on the Oscars Twitter, which, like, it's easy to do. You know what I mean? It's not hard yeah. to dunk on the Oscars Twitter account. But like it's not worth it to me when it's just like that reassessment is something that I love about movie culture. Right. That's something that I love about what we all do, which is that like, oh, I revisited a movie from however long ago. I discovered this movie that I didn't pay attention to 20 years ago or whatever. And I actually think that's a positive. I think that's a good thing. I also think the thing is that like 
the academy as much as it is right like you stay in the academy right like you're in there it's not like you're in there for like a year like your ass is there forever and so i feel like to your point also it's like i sort of like personally as someone who like is reading this work i love reassessments like Mm -hmm. it's so much just like anniversary pieces reassessments like i love like an eye backward to sort of know where we're going and then for the academy it's like the academy changes it should change right and like the opinions that it has yes they were a snapshot of that moment in time we have not yet invented time travel that's the only reason i want to invent time travel to change the oscars (laughs) everything else has been absolutely fine in history nothing else to change yeah but yeah it's like whatever like just let the academy twitter do whatever it wants i've definitely dunked on it (laughs) sure oh same like again it's a real easy temptation like who cares the other thing yeah absolutely the other thing about letting the oscars be the oscars though is it allows for those breakthrough moments to feel impactful when like mad max fury road gets a bajillion Mm -hmm. oscar nominations and whatever that's impactful because it's unlikely because the oscars are so stuffy and set in their ways and whatever it wouldn't have been as remarkable for mad max to get nominated from the critics choice because the critics choice are a pushover when it comes to that kind of thing do you know what i mean and the oscars are not yeah the oscars were not gonna nominate sunshine like my beloved i know (laughs) which i still have to up to but then it's wow chris i know i know (laughs) listen i've gotten this enough from joe too so like i've heard it i just don't know like what else you're doing like with your time (laughs) if it's not revisiting one of the hottest ensemble cast truly in a classic sci-fi by hot you mean they are shot into the sun so they're literally but it's both of the well it's three things yes they're shot into the sun spoiler alert uh also (laughs) they're all incredibly attractive and they're all increasingly warm and sweaty so that is true what else do you need and all their careers were like zooming up to the top at that point too so yeah Uh, Yeah, yeah. i don't even remember how we got up to sunshine oh yeah like that's what makes mad max like so impactful like that's Mm -hmm. what makes it it doesn't happen all the time it doesn't it's it's you can't take it for granted yeah and that is also why uh when anthony hopkins name was read over chadwick boseman's i was like this makes sense depressingly it 100 uh-huh. makes sense because like that yeah. is where this body was going to vote for. So it's just yeah. like the Oscars are the Oscars. Yeah, I don't want yep. them to be the VMAs. I don't right. want right. like that overlap. I want distinctly different, bougie, elitist identities so I can hate them all for separate, <laughs> yep. unique reasons. Yep. Yep. There we go. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Yes. Let's get into mud then. We'll Let's we'll get do into it. the second plot description and then we'll unpack a little bit more of the movie. Listeners, once again, we are here talking about the motion picture Mud, written and directed mud. by Jeff Nichols, starring Matthew McConaughey. We're going to talk McConaissance today. Uh, Ty Sheridan, Sam Shepard, Ray McKinnon, Sarah Paulson, Jacob Laughlin, Michael Shannon, Joe Don Baker, and Reese Witherspoon. The movie premiered in competition at Cannes and then was not released until the following April. Wow, really? Yeah. I don't think I realized that there was that much of that gap. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. This is why it's always interesting to kind of talk about individual movies within the Maconnaissance because there is such a real fluid construct of time in terms of where those movies fall. 
Yes. Yeah. Um, yes, that's a very good point. And also just wild that it was a decade ago, right? Like, I remember wow. watching this movie. Yeah. I cannot believe the passing of time. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ, we're ancient. Uh, I was trying to remember what theater I saw it in, and I can't. There's usually, yeah. I'm usually pretty good at remembering where geographically I was for a movie. I, think I, I was one. placing this movie where I saw it. There was something I watched recently that I was like, I know I saw this in a theater and I can always remember where I saw something and I can't remember where it was. This I, I saw I in the didn't... shitty mall theater. Mm, shout out to the shitty mall theater where so many of us perhaps <laughs> yes. had an illicit hookup during <laughs> perhaps. the showtime. Um, I think I watched it on an award screener at home. I do not think I watched it in a theater. I think that I actually watched it as part of like an awards generating for your consideration experience, Mm -hmm. uh, which was timely to this. Uh, But yeah, so do we want to talk plot? Yeah. If you are ready for the 60 second plot description, Roxana is on you. Are you ready? Okay. I think so. I don't know if we need 60 seconds, but I think, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give it our best shot. We'll do it. Um, um, okay, your 60-second plot description for the motion picture, Mud, starts now. Oh, my God. Okay, so Mud is about two teen-ish boys, Ellis and Neckbone, and they, you know, are living like a real, I think they live in like a real, like, Tom Sawyer type of, like, living off the land, exploring around. They're doing some exploring, and they come across, like, a boat in a tree, which is incredibly odd. And then eventually they uh, run into this guy, played by Matthew McConaughey. 30 seconds. Mud. Oh my god, really? And so Mud is like in trouble, and so he asks them to help reconnect with this woman that he says he loves, played by Reese Witherspoon. So the kids become this like go-between for them. They find out that Mud is being pursued by like some bad guys. And they get pulled into his quest for revenge. Oh my god, okay, that's it. Real, like, live and learn coming of age tale. Very true. Oh my god. That was (laughs) 60 seconds, man. Fucks me. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Listen, you you did better than we had been doing, where we, like, 60 seconds very quickly became 90 seconds, quickly became 100 seconds. And we're we're getting back on track, so we're going to be following your lead. Um... (sighs) I th- I mean, I love that you say that this is such a guys being dudes movie. Like, I think one of the first lines in the movie is Neckbone talking about someone's boobs. And I think it's so. Like, it's really authentic to, like, 14-year-old boys in a way that is not annoying and, mm-hmm. like, yes. gross to sit with and watch. But, mm-hmm. like, this is such a, like male psychology movie in that like you have mud who has like this long-standing uh like romantic feeling for uh his girlfriend you have the parents divorce going on where it's like it's very much seen through ellis's Mm -hmm. like journey with that is you know seeing his father's own like myopia in his relationship with his mother and understanding that his mother is a person who you know deserves happiness and right. you know yeah. that might come at ex- the expense of the life as they know it um mm. 
And like, you know, it's just like, like you said, like you compared it to a Tom Sawyer type of thing. It's very much almost like an American myth type of thing where you have Mm -hmm. even weird things like the boat in the tree. But then also Mm -hmm. we talked a little bit about how this is like a way of life that's going away. These people who are living on the river will not be able to do so for much longer. So it's like, it feels like a myth being made in the moment, like the type of story that'll create its own legend. It's a story about somebody becoming disillusioned in a way that makes them better, Mm -hmm. which I think is interesting where he invests so much in this relationship with, between mud and Juniper and he's gotta, Alice has gotta do this for him to make, because he like, cause he loves her and, Mm -hmm. and that should work out. And, and it parallels with his relationship with the older girl and he, sort of has all that stuff kind of come crashing down around him. And it's just like, yeah, that's probably for the best that you have a little bit of, you know, a little bit less fairy tale in the idea of this relationship between mud and Juniper, because it's not, it doesn't treat either of them actually super fairly by Mm -hmm. sort of denying the complicated human stuff with them. And I don't know. I get the feeling that like, yeah, he'll be, he'll be better for this whole situation. <laughs> Snake bite or no. What yeah, movie like were def- we? Oh, go ahead. Oh, all I was going to say is that there is so much of this like romanticization that the movie is doing and then actively sort of working against like mm-hmm. to your point. Yeah. Like he thinks like, well, mud loves Juniper. So like, yeah. why wouldn't, of course they should help save her. Right. Cause he yeah. has to quote unquote save her. And then there's everything with his parents' divorce, of course. But I also think there's just this sense of, like, if your way of life is being purposefully removed or erased by people with more power than you, is there anything you can do to maintain your selfhood against those people? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's very important for him, like you said, to sort of learn that there aren't, like, necessarily white knights and heroes yeah. and people who are always correct and people who are always wrong there's more shades of gray and like more lived experience than yeah. that but ultimately we except for paul end... sparks who's a real son of a bitch <laughs> yeah and that's my point is like ultimately we do end with some semblance of like not a happy ending but a sort of like justice or like justified vengeance yeah and i think yeah. it's helpful yeah. to have that sort of like some people are assholes and they deserve to get fucked and some stuff in your life you can't change and you have to accept. And like, yeah. those are the two yeah. realities. But Chris, what yeah. were you going to say? I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say, because you mentioned the hit who Ellis believes to be his girlfriend, who his great oh, love is. May Pearl. May Pearl. Is, yeah. Like very sweet. And like, I want to talk about Ty Sheridan later. Cause I think Ty Sheridan, is incredible in this movie. Tremendous. Um, He's tremendous in this. Yeah. uh, What movie were we talking about recently where like the signifier of young adolescent male goodness was having the crush on a slightly older girl? Oh, shoot. It was something. It is a trope in movies, though, but it's like, see, he's a good guy. Is it not licorice pizza? No, it wasn't like that. Um, Okay. 
Because I have a lot of complicated. I'm trying to think of like what. Uh, me too. Uh, actually, um, it was it was, no, I, I, it was very along the lines of mud, and I can't remember what it was, but it yeah, I was racking my brain watching the movie the other day, um, trying to yeah, remember yeah, yeah. when we what movie we were having that conversation about, um, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, we do tend to roll our eyes about like movies by especially white dudes about white dudes, but like this is one that actually does it so incredibly well i think mm-hmm. and uh, uh back to ellis's you know romantic visions for this older teenage girl like he's coming in and like punching other guys in the face in like her honor yeah. and then real like when he does it again it's ultimately more about him than it is about her or their relationship and right. yeah uh that also felt very like <laughs> very true to life in that way of just like there was always that one little kid who wasn't afraid of anybody who would like you know what i mean who would who would punch the older kid and and feel like irrationally confident to talk to the older girls and whatnot (laughs) and i was just like that feels real like ty sheridan feels very very uh well well suited to that and he performs that aspect of that kid really well where he's just like where she's just like you're only or she's like you know you just punched a senior and he's just like i don't know yeah like like, so what like who cares yeah and so i love that so much of that and i think that's why mud becomes this heroic figure so quickly Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. is i think like neither of these kids has that sort of like yet has that fear of like social order Mm-hmm. Or, like, what you're supposed to do, the hierarchies that you're supposed to follow. And, like, yeah. it's very easy to idolize someone like Mud, who, like, is living on the outskirts. He needs a yeah. little bit of help, but he's willing to get it from kids. Right. Whereas, like, they're surrounded by adults who don't think that they can do anything. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, and so much of this movie is who's teaching these kids and what are they teaching him? What is Michael Shannon teaching them? Where like the girl runs out of the house and she's just like, you treat women like princesses, not like your cousin in there or whatever. And like, what is he passing on to these ones? What is Ray McKinnon? He, you know, goes through this thing. Like I didn't raise a thief, right. Mm -hmm. You know, after he finds out that he stole the boat motor and whatever. And what are you accusing Sarah Paulson of like setting a bad example by divorcing him and, quote unquote taking his life. I love all of these broken men. They're all my favorite <laughs> yeah. broken and men. Ray McKinnon always giving a yeah. A plus performance, no matter oh what God. role he's in. Ray McKinnon Secret matter. Oscar winner. Secret Oscar winner Ray McKinnon for uh right. Oh, what the hell was it? It was it was uh, the same uh, short that uh, Walton Goggins w- went up with them, but because only two people could be awarded the prize, Walton Goggins is not an Oscar winner. Oh, the Accountant, Walton. the Accountant, oh. two thousand one, won best oh. live action short film. God, Walton yes. and Ray have they been in anything together? I oh, have to was McKinnon in Justified? I. Th- if he wasn't, then that was a clerical error. Yeah, like, did, we, did we like not print the second some, page? Of some the PA list? forgot to pick him up on. Uh, no, he's in one episode of Justified. Oh, yes. bless him! Of bless that man. Uh, it, God. Talking about like the formation of these young. Wait, time out. Can I just take a time out because this is just very funny. Oh, okay. the. Ray McKinnon's Wikipedia page under television. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to start at a random point here. It's a. Uh, 
2004, he's in Deadwood. Right. 2008, he's in something, a TV miniseries called Comanche Moon. 2010, Justified. 2011, Sons of Anarchy. 2013 to 2016, Rectified. Mm-hmm. Then Fear the Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Then Mayans Motorcycle Club. Like, that is a vibe That's of a section. A that is a section yeah. of a filmography that is a vibe. That is yeah. a complete vibe. So, yeah. That is, yeah. I mean, truly, he is the character actor for your Sons of Anarchy fan. Yeah. Which is not necessarily an insult. Nope, nope, I watched absolutely every not. episode of Sons of Anarchy. Can't get that I, time back. I bailed on it at some point, but I watched it heavily for several yeah. seasons. There, uh, did so. you watch it because you thought it was good, or did you watch it because of like a particular man who happened to star? Listen, Joe Reed's gonna oh. love a Charlie Hunnam performance. You see a lot of Charlie Hunnam, but <laughs> in that of Charlie for sure. Hunnam, but yeah, but also a for a while before her character became irredeemable, like Katie Seagal was like serving. A word I'm not going to say, but like, you know what I mean? Which yeah. is like serving absolute <laughs> boots down. You know what does I mean? Does it she rhyme was... with hunt? It or sure does. Hunt? It sure does. And, yeah. um, but in the most complimentary way I can possibly put that, uh, yeah. she was killing it. She was doing really, a bunch really of well. satisfying performances in a very poorly written show. Mm. How yeah. much did, was Taylor Sheridan just an actor in that or did he take... I thought in... that he was just an actor. I, I think feel he like was. maybe he wrote an episode at some point. But he wasn't like, he was not, obviously it was. Uh, um, it was Sutter. Kate, yeah, it wasn't. Sutter, Katie Seagal's husband. Yeah, yes, it was, was definitely yes. Kurt Sutter. It was not Taylor Sheridan. Who also feels like a thing I we don't have time to unpack, but like there's a lot of <laughs> We don't have a full day. Yeah, yeah. we don't have. The but, Taylor like, Sheridan yeah, remember... version of Mud sucks well this is the thing is when taylor sheridan started like making movies i was like oh the guy who was in the early seasons of sons of anarchy that's that's interesting (laughs) i Um, really hope that someone eventually because he doesn't give like press interviews right but i hope someone eventually is like that guy right like that's where you got your start yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. i still love hell or high water but like i've it's been diminishing returns for me it has Um, been yeah yeah i just don't it's like how did that come out of your brain but also all the other stuff. Like what It does feel like happened? also like Jeff Nichols went away and then Taylor Sheridan like took that void and like moved into that void a little yes. bit and was like, now I will be making uh movies but like or movies and TV, but like more cynically than than these. You know You know how before? there was that piece, I think it was in Time magazine this week, that was like everyone has a doppelganger and like you might <laughs> like you might share DNA with them, you might not, but like ultimately yeah. just the way that we've progressed as a society, like they are the te- like Taylor Sheridan is the tethered version of Jeff Nichols. <laughs> I think so. I think that's right. Well, and... I mean, Taylor Sheridan is the violent underworld version of Jeff Nichols. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, can you please stay down there, like, sir? Yeah. <laughs> Someone <laughs> turn not, off the escalator. Do not come up here. Uh, but yeah, so it's like all of these like supporting male characters, and yet, and this is like the Michael Mann of it all, like all of these men still want some kind of like connection or togetherness like with these boys because i think about the michael shannon i think he's taking like neckbone fishing or they're mm-hmm. just like sitting on the dock or the pier or whatever i don't know water or there's water and he's like you know i'm your uncle you can like tell me stuff and it's like god damn it like that yeah, is yeah. the emotional vulnerable that's the good shit 
Uh, I but, just want it noted that at the 45 minute mark, Roxana brought in Michael Mann. So it did take <laughs> 45 minutes. I'm sorry. It really it needed, to, it needed to occur. It was either going to be Michael Mann or Derek Franz, Like one uh, or the other. You know, we did an episode on Place Beyond the Pines. And I have ever since then taken note of who our allies are in the world um the place beyond the pines and you are definitely uh uh, among those there's like what like a dozen of us like we're really growing our ranks we're holding it down we're holding it down absolutely for sure but yeah so there are all these like very like it's seeming to me like american sort of archetype like men who don't talk very much but are like sort of stern and distant and then each of them sort of gets that scene where there's like, there's more to me than the audience yes. expects and then these yep. boys expect. And that's why Sam Shepard's casting is so perfect because mm-hmm. I feel like he is the grandfather of that yes. sort of figure. Yep. Um, but yeah, so like the ensemble cast is just like 100% on point. Well, and this is where I'm going to maybe dr- d- uh, steer us into the McConaissance conversation Let's because McConaughey is. Of all of the movies of the McConaissance, and there are some that I feel like he gives even better performances than he gives here, even though I think he's very good here. And there are some, obviously, that he got a lot more recognition for. He wins the Oscar the same year Mud comes out in theaters. Um, but this movie really captures something about how you can use Matthew McConaughey in a movie, because I think he's very adaptable as a type he can play these very flashy characters like in magic mike and he can play Mm -hmm. these very grimy sort of taciturn characters but also he has this very particular way of speaking so if you give him a part with a lot of dialogue that also works very well and there's a lot like you can adapt but what mud does that i think is really interesting is it takes this character who is you know, this sort of lying low criminal type, but you also need him to be utterly fascinating. Yeah. And that's what he brings is this kind of, you just look at the figure that he cuts sort of, and I'm not just talking about how like his body looks in this movie, although his body looks amazing. In this it looks movie. good. Like, thank you. Like, I really but, like, just zero that. in on the teeth. The body do nothing. But just like he's such a figure of fascination immediately, like as soon as you sort of see him start talking to him, it's just this this uh, you absolutely don't ever question in this movie. Like, why don't these boys just not come back there no. and like leave this guy alone? Because like, no, obviously you would. He's so incredibly just like, you know transfixing in this like very enigmatic way well it's this kind of impossible role in that like you have to have somebody who has the ability of matthew mcconaughey who can both be a leading man and a character actor and Mm -hmm. like that's absolutely kind of the demand in what you're describing like it has to be such a magnetic he has to like give you everything and nothing at the same time. But like, you have to understand the draw of this man to these children. And like, I don't know who else can really do that. Uh, Yeah. yeah. I've been thinking of the whole time. I mean, we always talk about how like Brad Pitt, you know, RIP when Brad Pitt was good. I know it was like a character actor and like a leading man's body. Like there have always been those sort of descriptors, but yeah. I feel like McConaughey does something very interesting in that, like, 
he keeps himself separate from these children because they are yeah. still children. Yeah. But at the same time, like he's interested in their lives, I think, and in their perspectives. And I feel like he communicates this sort of curiosity and yes. this distance, right? It's mm-hmm. like, yep. I will let you into a certain point. I will let myself into your life to a certain point. And mm-hmm. then like, if a line is crossed, yeah. sort of fucked, which does happen like midway right. through the film. I mean, like mm-hmm. he does have these children running as his go-betweens yes. to Juniper. And it is sort of treating them like they're adults and they're not. And yeah. it is sort of elongating his character's sense of, is this what you were like as a teenager? Because yeah. you're not a teenager anymore. They right. are. Mm-hmm. But like you're not equals. And I think that that's what makes Sam Shepard's character so interesting. It's because he mm-hmm. starts out by being like, I'm not going to help Mud. Because right. he's like thrown his life away by being right. in love with her. Right. And not accepting that she doesn't want him or doesn't need him or whatever. So there's a lot of, I think, very interesting sort of subtext in the sense of, like, if the way of life on the river is being phased out and changing and you have to change, what does that also say about, like, aging? And, like, what parts yeah. of yourself do you have to let go of when you're 20, when you're 30, when you're 40? Like, how do you grow and adapt? Well, and a moment that I really loved is towards the end when Mud actually has this moment of uh, Ellis says, you're a good man too, Mud. And he goes, well, no, I'm not. And But he starts to say, but maybe now after this I can start. And he's interrupted by a shotgun blast. Yeah. And I was like, that's a really cool moment where you get this definite glimmer from Mud that like he gets it. And he's, you know, and and I don't think the shotgun blast like cuts that short. I think there's a version of this movie where like he was about to come around and then he just got sucked back into this violent life and that's going to be his life forever. I do feel like by the end of this movie, there's a sense of optimism for Mm -hmm. his character, but I think it's really well done that this sort of moment of clarity with him also then has to be, he also has to deal with the violent consequences. It's of... like the samurai cowboy thing, right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to roll yeah. into town and I do have to kill all of my enemies to be able to get out. Like, <laughs> right. he is able to, like, sail down toward the Gulf of Mexico with Sam Shepard. But, like, yeah. they murder the entire... <laughs> the entire kill, Arkansas like, mob. The family. Yeah, yeah, like, they're like, you know, fuck you guys. But what I love about that scene, too, that you just mentioned, Joe, is, like, the shotgun blast happens and like he throws himself over Ellis. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Yep. It's like protecting them. I think once he realizes that he's used them. Yes. Protecting them does become like a top priority for him. Well, yeah. the whole like snake bite scene where he, you know, puts tiny, teeny, tiny, sweet baby Ellis on the motorcycle wrapped in a blanket. Um, yeah. Is also a little bit of that too, because yeah. it's, He's like swaddling him like he's an injured kitten or something. But he reminds me of like a baby bird. I feel like he's like treating him like when you find something injured on the way home and you try to parent like how can I fix this? Like how can I make this better? But there's also an element of that scene where it's like he can't there's a he's been such a bad person that there's a limitation in how good of a person he can be because he 
gets into that hotel, not hotel, that hospital lobby, and immediately all eyes are on him. So it's like he can't even do this good deed without bringing more danger. So he is such yeah. like, uh, you know, damaged goods. Yeah. Also, when he like. How does he hop off of that motorcycle? It's like he just like lifts himself two inches off the ground and just lets the motorcycle keep going. See, it's so funny. It's like if we're talking about like, I would call that like a favorite scene. And if we're talking about yeah. favorite scenes, I do also love him watching Reese on her balcony. Yeah. And that so little good. like the wave little wave that yeah. they give each other. I'm sorry. Are you telling me that that's not an homage to Heat? Because <laughs> it 100% it's right there. It's right me there. Of, like the Val Kilmer Ashley Judd moment. But yeah, I mean, like Reese Witherspoon. I mean, this was when was this in relation to Wild? This two would've, years uh, before it would have been Wild is wow. 2014. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, is, that's that's what's so. <laughs> this the is, interesting thing yeah. is this is the like in the thick of the reconnaissance, and yet. Yeah. I remember on the heels of the reconnaissance, I remember people were already sort of talking about is Reese sort of building something. And I think the two of yes. them being in this movie mm-hmm. sort of helped sort of push that vibe. A lot of failures for her. I remember yes. our friend Katie Rich coined uh, the resurgence, which wasn't used very <laughs> mm-hmm. much, but it should have been because it was great. It was great. Um, we and could have had more resurgence was... if, like, some of her TV stuff is good, most of it is not, but mm. uh, if she wasn't so much in fucking TV. <laughs> well, well, I think she, but again, I think in terms of, like, what gave her power, TV gave her power. It did. Like, yes. movie, like movies were not fucking with Reese for a while. And, like, like Joe think... and I have talked a lot about how mm. Wilde did not get the credit it deserved, especially no. for her as a producer. Wilde is exceptional. Like, yeah, Wild is. is wonderful. Yeah. And I think, because Big Little Lies was post-Wild, right? It was like they had yes. worked together on Wild, yep. and then it became like, look at this other shit that we can do. So I yeah. think, like, there are many TV things that she's done that have been sort of forgettable. There have been movies she's done that have been sort of forgettable as a producer. Mm-hmm. She's coming but off I of think, a lot of them before this movie. Yeah, but I think, yeah. like, that definitely gave her power. But yeah, like, grungy, dirty, tattooed Reese. Like, well, around we this time, that. around this time, she had sort of shown herself willing and even eager to sort of take smaller roles mm-hmm. in really interesting projects because uh, it was mud this year. It was um, Inherent Vice in 2014, oh, where she totally gets that really small forgot. performance. It's in really Inherent small, Vice. but like at the end of the day, that's a bigger role than even the mud role is. It's just like yeah. the mud role carries more significance to the movie. To the yeah. film, yeah. right. Yeah. And then it's a role, she's in the lead in this, but she's in a movie that's a very small movie called The Good Lie that played at TIFF in 2014. Yes. That I thought was better than it got credit for. I and don't think anybody saw that movie. Nobody it did. got I, released. I was yeah. the only person at TIFF that I knew who saw it. And I was yeah. like, sort of like crowing about it. And and it's about sort of uh, relocating like refugee, uh, refugee populations. Yeah. Yes. And at the time, my sister worked sort of adjacently in that sort of field a little bit. So I remember being like, so she was the one where I was just like, you got to see this and, you know, show all your colleagues and whatnot. It's such a good movie. Um, but yeah, nobody else that I knew. It was produced by Ron Howard and Brian Grazer. That's interesting. Um, wow. 
And that was the same year as Wild. So obviously Wild, you know, was the... And Wild being the same year as Gone Girl is also interesting because Mm -hmm. Gone Girl was another professional success that was not a big enough success. Like Gone Girl should have been more successful financially and awards wise like that movie's so good and that movie made it a lot felt of like money. she was yeah i felt like i felt it was commercially successful oh it was commercially yeah. successful you're right you're right <laughs> the just, lack um, of you're oscar right. nominations beyond rosamund pike really do a lot to <laughs> kind of shadow i, can, yeah, I cannot movie. believe i mean it's affleck how do you not recognize arguably it's so, a top it's five easily, Affleck performance. It's easily the best Affleck performance. Oh, I don't yeah. think there's a better one. A million percent. I, I still think Chucky is pretty good. But I think they're playing different Ch- versions of them. Like, he's playing a yeah. different version of himself in each of those. Yes. Uh, and yeah. so it's very fascinating to sort of see that progression. But, like, did he get nominated for Argo? Like, get the fuck out of here, right? Like, right. get out of here. <laughs> like, come on. I don't think um, he's ever been nominated as an actor. I'm going to look. We're going to figure this out. Affleck has never no. been nominated yeah. as an actor. Never? Never. Never. Wow. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's so crazy. So rude. Like, I, yes. <laughs> they so don't offended. like him. They do not yeah. like him. I don't get it. They're like, look, you can have this best pack, best picture because of our latent Islamophobia, but we cannot <laughs> give you a best actor nomination. I'm sorry. It's not. <laughs> or a best director nomination. <laughs> oh, wow. So recent Reese producer stuff is although was she was she a producer on a wrinkle in time or was she yeah, just I thought you produced in it, it. Yeah, I, thought she I think it's it. at least her production company had a hand yeah, right isn't it yeah. hello sunshine or little sunshine or whatever and then there's <laughs> lucy in the sky who we've which we've talked about oh, on this podcast. Lucy in the sky. Wow. yeah wow. and then currently there's where the crawdad sing which i have yes. not seen but is supposed to be not good correct and so right so her her successes are definitely more in television for as much as people shit on the morning show that show is going into its third season people and... love that shit like we all shit on it i think like regular america watches it <laughs> yeah i think I that's think. true yeah. i think that's definitely true yeah um big little lies unadulterated success even though i didn't like the second season i Agreed. think it's still Same. Um, Little Fires Everywhere is junky, but I watched that whole thing. You know Again, what I mean? I think people watched it. I mean, I think Reese has a lock on what Reese fans want. And I think yes. where the crop ad thing has now become commercially successful, I think. I think it's had That wouldn't edge. shock me. Yeah. My mom was talking a lot about wanting to go see that when I was home last time. Shout out to Joe's mom. She's, yeah. <laughs> she's I would absolutely America. go see that movie with your mother. What is wrong with you that you didn't go see that movie with your mother? I was in New York. I was back in New York by that okay. point. So mm, um, she's really also terrible, but you know, that's <laughs> yeah. but like I'll see movies. Like I'll see right. a movie even if it's gonna be terrible. I'll just yeah. see please. A movie. I might go see Mac and Rita when we're done with this. <laughs> hey-o, hey-o. Um, what, is, what can I ask? What is Reese doing next, and what is McConaughey doing next? Okay, Reese. We might actually get the resurgence because. I think Legally Blonde 3 is actually finally happening, and she's hinted that she is going to be doing a revisit of Tracy Flick because of the other Perota book. Wow, okay. So, like, it might not be the resurgence we want, but, like... She I, she seems ready to assume the Reese mantle of like what we know her for. 
I mean, I she's mean, also finished filming on a romantic comedy from writer director Aline Broch McKenna, uh, who wrote uh, the Devil Wears Prada script, and right. it was also uh, Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Uh, I was going right. to say Rachel Bloom's uh, co conspirator on Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Her cast. She's in it. I don't know who the male lead is, but it's either Ashton Kutcher or Jesse Williams, which mm, that's interesting. That's an interesting flip of a coin. Yeah. <laughs> which way are. that goes. I mean, I definitely need some Reese. It's going to make me forget that she was all in on crypto. Yeah. Oh, all of those people need to like, <laughs> yeah. 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 Need to need to make women, us forget. It's important for women. To My crypto. the thing that the one that I hated the most it was maybe because I was watching a lot of. It must have advertised a lot during like football or something because I saw a lot of it, it was Matt Damon, Matt, crypto Matt Damon being like, yeah. unless you're a pussy, you should be doing crypto. Yeah. And I was just yeah. like, fuck you. It was literally like, it was like you fucking bitch. Why aren't you basically, yeah, crypto? yeah. What do you, what do you, what do you chicken? Like, it's yeah. so funny. Poor Ben Affleck, because clearly Matt Damon is like the villain of that friendship. Like, I am not a Ben Affleck fan, so I, I know, I know. Now is my turn to, to uh, run afoul. No, I'm I not. Think in there's a possibility been. that they are both different types of villains who are friends. <laughs> I, I described Ben Affleck as a real life Don Draper, and I stand by that. And because of my I, deep love for Don Draper, I think I forgive Ben a lot. Sure, of sure, sure, sure. I think Matt is more directly like. I am a chaos demon. Undercover. I also think Affleck has settled into pu- publicly, di- like publicly playing his own self. You know what Correct. I mean? Like he's, I and I think agree. for so long, Matt Damon tried to be the A-lister golden boy while being problematic on the low yes. and. People don't like that. Then all of a sudden you get those Project Greenlight moments where it's just like, oh, you're being an asshole. And they get that... Um, my daughter had to tell me to stop saying faggot. I was going to say, like, oh, people you're being an asshole. For this. Ben Affleck definitely stopped saying the F slur before Matt Damon did. I, Jennifer Garner yeah. worked that out of him. Jennifer, Jennifer Garner, Garner and Jennifer that Lopez out. probably worked that out. Well, of him. Jennifer mm-hmm. Garner, their wedding was officiated by Victor Garber. So yeah. like Jennifer Garner was not having that like no. at all. I, no. I fully believe that. No. So, no. yeah. God, imagine Ben Affleck as mud. What a different time. <laughs> Mud would have had to have been set in Southie. That mud would, not would have work. been on the outskirts of Boston. <laughs> yep, yep, hundred percent, hundred percent. He's in the back bay. He's got a little boat in the back it's bay. Not Piggly Wiggly. It's a Duncan. It's a it's a stop it's a stop and shop that uh, yeah with a Duncan in the plaza and uh, I guess like Rebecca Hall is staring at a wall of Dunkin' Donuts instead of uh, Rebecca no she's I was just thinking of the town the town yeah Rebecca Hall in the town is top five um, thankless female roles in movies that don't need women in them you know like they feel like they don't need women did not need a woman like that like. No. no, poor Becky. No. Yeah, no, I really liked the town, excluding her performance, and I really disliked her for a while after that movie because I was like, "This is terrible! Like, what is this? Like, oh, I, that movie does rules. not do right by her." But it's really the character that is unnecessary, yeah. and then yeah. like her performance is colored by that. But clearly, whereas I think I always I did at the time, and I still do. Maybe it's ironic. I don't know. Uh, Blake Lively's performance in that movie because that She's knows. Really good. She knows who that character is, and she is 
going for it as far as no one involved with the town knows what rebecca hall's character is however right um okay but looking forward to the future for matthew mcconaughey also not not bleak uh i think this man thinks that he is going to be running for politics i do think that he is considering running for Uh, i could 100 see that yes i forgot that yes yes i mean i will say that i did think his Uvalde involvement was powerful and good. Yeah. Yes. I think in general he says a lot of shit that I'm like, sir, like take a stance. Like do yeah. literally yes. anything. Exactly. Right. But I did think that he was very uh I don't know, just he sort of fucked me up after no. that. No, that was good. Yeah. yeah. Um all right, let's talk so, about Ty Sheridan. So we're not getting the paperboy too? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> <laughs> no. Listen, he's good in the paperboy, if I he remember is good correctly. In the paperboy. Like everything about that movie is like distasteful and disgusting, but yes. all of the performances are good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Yeah. That's I mean, yeah. not John Cusack. I would argue. Oh, okay, John yeah, Cusack Cusack's being, really bad. You know, the... <laughs> really, all I'm saying is Kidman good, Efron good, McConaughey mm-hmm. good, Macy Gray yeah. amazing, Macy Gray good. I mean, I even think David Oyelowo was doing fine. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. okay, it's just yeah. Cusack. Cusack's <laughs> <laughs> said every liberal on Twitter. Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Ty Sheridan, Joe. Yeah, let's talk about Ty Sheridan. God, Um, so great. Nominated by Critics' Choice for Best Young Performer, and I put it in our outline because it is outrageous. Lost to Adele Exarchopoulos for Blue is the Warmest Color for Best Young Performer. How old was she? 17? Old enough to to be be 20 or under for that category? Which just makes the movie extra icky. But like... She's nominated against actual children. Like, yeah, like there should be like a one hundred percent like an age cutoff. It should be like yes. sixteen. Like right. it should not be up to twenty one. Yeah. Like I don't. I also, don't even on the merits, and I don't hate blue is the warmest color. Like I, I think a, a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. He gives a better performance. Like he's yes. yeah. he's the class of this category. No, yeah. no shade to poor Asa Butterfield in Ender's Game. I he, oh. he was not. He didn't know. He didn't no, know, man. No, um, no one in Liam, that movie knew. <laughs> Liam James in The Way Way Back. We talked about that movie. He's oh, not very think, good. Oh, I think he's so good oh, in that. I but I really like love that, that movie. Oh, I love okay. that movie. So that might and be And then my uh, Sophie uh, Nillis from The Book Thief, yeah. a movie that I definitely saw. I definitely saw it. don't recall not one much bit. about it. No, <laughs> not one bit. Stealing I mean, those books, apparently, here's though. Here's the real question. Has Ty ever been this good again? Because I would argue no. So I wanted mm-hmm. to talk about his career. Because Please. he's now an actor who I think people turned on in for, for things that I don't necessarily feel like I don't, are I his fault. I don't think fault. I realized people turned on him. When did people turn on him? Somewhere around the X Men Ready Player One thing. Okay. Oh, I totally forgot about Ready Player One. Ready and the Player thing about Ready One, Player is, one so is, but like, Very okay, bad. so you're Ty Sheridan. You're a young, sure. up and coming actor. It's the new Steven Spielberg no, movie, I and you can be the lead actor as a an American boy yeah. actor trying to like, and then you can be in the lead, and all of a yeah. sudden, oops. You're in the one Steven Spielberg movie that's yeah. super obnoxious, and your Very character bad. is the most obnoxious part about it. Whenever yeah. I see people try to defend Ready Player One, it's like, no, it's about critiquing all of this no, it's thing. Not. And it's like, no, you are working very hard to make that point. 
Yeah, it's no. Not, There's no. nothing about that movie that is critical. That movie is just a hand job all over pop culture. Yeah. It's revolting. Yeah. And it wouldn't exist if Steven Spielberg didn't direct it because like exactly. if Steven Spielberg makes that movie, yes, we will hand over the rights cheaply for you to use yeah. all this IP. Yes. That's fair. I mean, really, you should just let a British actor take the heat for that one. Yeah. <laughs> you should have just handed that over. That's too Why not? Yeah. Let him take the heat again. And, Cy- and Cyclops is such a curse. Like, I don't yeah. think that's a role Unfortunately, that is yes. forgiving or good. Like, I but also... It wasted Marsden, right? I mean, yeah. like, if you find yes. a way to waste Marsden, anyone else is going to get wasted, too. The only thing that Marsden's participation as cyclops is good for is contributing to the um why are we continuing to cast james marsden as people who uh his girlfriend leaves for other people which at least like that's a narrative that fascinates me um from the notebook and enchanted and and x-men um, yeah. So at the very least, I'm like, well, at the very least, you've given me a lot to think about. As you've to given what's... me a trend piece. Thank you've you. given me a trend piece. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. Yes. Yeah, thank you. The thing about latter X-Men is, and this is, I feel the same way about Sophie Turner, which is just like, I can't fault these young actors who hop onto this train and that train goes straight to hell. Sure. <laughs> and, um, and what's his name? Um uh, from Power of the Dog, too, where it's uh-huh, just Cody like, yeah. Smith McPhee. Cody, yeah. Cody Smith McPhee. And it's just like, they were, you know, following the best advice of their agents sure. for that one. You know Listen, what I mean? It, it, in my mind, no movie, no X Men movie after First Class is real. They're just not real. They're like, not real. No, I mean, Again, you're not like, entirely wrong. Can we blame Jessica Chastain? Like, she should have known better. <laughs> she should have known better. She I do kind known of. Better. She had choices. She had options. She yeah. didn't need to do that. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. I guess, this but is like where the kids, I share that I cannot stand Jessica Chastain. But I. <laughs> I, I mean, I, should I, I, I don't, go? Should I leave? I understand why a person could not right. like Jessica Chastain. I yeah. just fall on the other side of that line. That's fine. That's um, fine. The weirdness appeals to me. I will say, speaking of Ty Sheridan, though, yes, I thought he was quite good in the card counter. I was going to say the same. Yes, yes, thank you. Yes, and well, that's a good trend. Point. Things are trending in a good direction. How was, well, he's was, also. How was the mountain? Was that good? I don't do Ray, Roy Alberson movies. I don't okay. know if those are going to be either. for me. I say that okay. having never seen one, but like th- the people that love them and the way they love them, I'm like, I, I'm gonna, I'm not. It was a very big this. deal at South by in 2019 when I went. Like I uh-huh. remember that there was like a lot mm-hmm. of buzz, but I also feel like that's when some Jeff Goldblum stuff came out, and I was like, I don't know if I want to spend time with Jeff Goldblum right now. Yeah, yeah that's, fair. yeah. that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, card, um, card counter very good, very yeah. that good fix which he showed in this movie I think, which is like a little bit obsessive, mm-hmm. and a yes. little bit believing that like if I do this one thing everything will work out. Which... Well, and Oscar Isaac is so intense in that movie, and for so another good. actor to be able to like hold up to that energy in yeah. those scenes together, and I think he really does, and I yeah. think it's a really good performance. It's yeah. also and... a good sign for his career that like he doesn't just have that performance that's good, but he's like he's continuing to work with interesting people too. Yes, yes, in yeah. like interesting capacities, and I will say that like I think when that movie like when his performance started, I was like. Eh, if i really am like on this wavelength but then by the time like redacted happened i was like oh i actually am like emotionally invested in what happens to this character and it's because of his performance so yeah good for you ty but yeah i mean again this was a movie that like you needed 
the kids to be very compelling and empathetic, even when they're acting like little shits. Yeah. And this, you know, mud got that correct. I loved, there's so many scenes of the two of them just observing things happening that I think are so well performed by the two of them. And it's, they're just, I don't know, they give off, they give off a really genuine energy and a lot of those things. And like the other kid, what's his name? Laughlin? Uh, uh, Jacob Laughlin. Okay, Jacob Laughlin. Tyler, but yeah, Jacob sounds like his actual <laughs> And he, Thank like, you, children who Thank were born you, in the year 2000. Yeah. He won this, like, big open call for the role of, like, local actors, I guess. Mm. And obviously Jeff Nichols is a huge Arkansas guy. Like, he mm. really wants to, like, support that sort of local film scene. And he sets and, and films a lot of his movies there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kid, like, Ty Sheridan by this point had been in a Terrence Malick movie. You know right. what I mean? Like he right. was already on a little bit of a trajectory. Mm-hmm. And so I think there, my worry going back into mud is like, is Ty Sheridan going to seem really slick compared to this really sort of unpolished other Raw kid? kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's the case at all. I think they go together really, really well. Yeah, I completely agree. It does feel like these are just two kids who happen to be friends who yeah. happen to come upon this scenario together and have to work it out. Yeah. And I think that there is, again, like, <laughs> I'm thinking about, like, sort of how, like, sarcastic they are. Like, the movie walks this very good line of, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, they're obviously very earnest and sincere because yeah. they have to be to be compelled by what Mud is telling them and the story and, like, the right and wrong of it all. But also, yeah. yeah, to your point, Chris Neckbone is just like, look at her titties. Like, so there is this, <laughs> you know, like, they do capture that sense of, yeah. like, a 14-year-old who I think is on the cusp of trying to grow up a little bit and thinking mm-hmm. about, like, what does that mean physically and, like, sexually and hormonally and all that crap. And so you have, like, that stuff that your body is telling you. Yeah. In conjunction with, like... What's your, like, uncle telling you? What's your best friend's dad telling you? What's Mud telling you? Uh, Right. And all these, like, varying, revolving male figures that sort of float in and out of their lives. He does a very good job in the scene where he has to yell at him. The big blow-up scene where it ultimately lands at the one line that I really love is, like, you've made a thief out of me. Which is not an easy line to sell, actually, because it sounds a little literary. You know what I mean? This movie is very literary, though. The dialogue is Mm -hmm. it does remind me of, like, a Deadwood, where there is sort of this, like, southern formality to it. Mm, Uh, and I think all of them do very well with that I don't remember if it was Chris or Joe which one of you said but like McConaughey has always been a very interesting line delivery guy and I think there are some lines here that I'm like I don't even that's like poetry like how did you do that (laughs) yeah 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 Um, but I was yeah I was really impressed by the the scene where he's required to go big yeah. that he, he he had the chops for it. Well, which, uh, especially yeah. because, like, that's the type of scene, especially on the page, that you look at and you're like, okay, here we go. This is going to be a young mm-hmm. performer just comes in there wailing and sobbing. And it's mm-hmm. he definitely does more than that, you know? And yeah. again, like, the bedroom scene where he tells Mud, like, you're a good man. There's, so, like, there's no artifice yeah. in that. Like, in that yeah. moment, he really, really believes it. Yeah. And to then be told, like... I'm not 
but because of you, I'll try. Like, that yeah. is mm-hmm. so just, I don't know. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, fucks me up. I, I would try to be a better person for Ty Sheridan, too. <laughs> I know, I know. And I think that's, like, that's what I always think about. Like, for me, a good movie makes you consider, like, what did the characters do before you got to them and what could they potentially be doing after? And I feel yeah. like every time I watch Mud, I want to know more about how Mud became who he is. And I want yeah. to know more about like what happens to these kids who are best friends, who are now separated, right? Because yeah. Alice is like moving with his mom. And I just, I always want to know like what could happen to these kids further yeah. on. Yeah. You know? uh- one question about further down the cast list really briefly mm-hmm. is Paul Sparks in like the top 10 of like <laughs> actors who are so good at playing the asshole. type that they have where Scumbags. he shows up and you're like this fucking guy. I mean, let's say <laughs> mud thoroughbreds boardwalk empire. I was going to say this movie comes right in the middle of his run on boardwalk empire. And that yeah. one, he's at least a little pathetic where yes. you're just like, just what was his name? Um, Mickey Doyle. I, and I you're always, just like, God damn it. I never guy. remember his name, but I think of him as a human version of the, what are they? Ferrets or whatever in Roger Rabbit. <laughs> the weasels. Yes. Yeah, yes. 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 <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Oh, we're doing a live action Roger Rabbit. It's you. Yeah. Like, well, and it's like, I look at his scampering around and his TV shows, and I, I haven't seen him in all of these things, but like he's in 27 episodes of House of Cards. Here's what I'm willing to bet: he's probably a son of a bitch in House of Cards. Probably, yeah. Um, he, I definitely he think was, he died in House of Cards, or is he the? I mean, he's not the one that they're having me. sex with. No, I don't. Know. I honestly, I bailed. Don't I definitely we don't need bailed to remember House of Cards. I mean, he's it an asshole go. in Midnight Special, right? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah. 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 So, oh, Midnight Special. We should I talk a little bit so more about the Jeff Nichols movie. other yeah, movies because we've that. talked like Jeff Nichols, Jeff Nichols, but not the other ones. Like, yeah. Another yeah. thing I think about Jeff Nichols before he goes away is like there is kind of an air of the reception to things becoming more and more disappointing to people. Like mm-hmm. his first movie is Shotgun Stories, which is very small um, and like doesn't really get in the recognition. But then it's Take Shelter, which, mm-hmm. you know, is part of Jessica Chastain's massive year. Michael mm-hmm. Shannon is incredible in that movie. And like mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Nichols kind of gets the a certain type of like sinast approval at the time of that movie. You know, that's yeah. how he becomes uh, like one of the can darlings. Like he's mm-hmm. in director's Fortnite for that movie. Right. Midnight special, which like we have to do a midnight special episode we should. sometime because like uh, just to do more research on like how that movie was kind of like kept a secret and mm-hmm. like kicked around as like, this is going to be Warner brothers big awards play. But then like, the language of that movie does not fit comfortably in what people expect that movie to be as a piece of science fiction. Um, And it's more like Jeff Nichols doing an understated nuance type of thing. And it's another movie about fathers and sons, et cetera, et cetera. I like that movie. It fits for me for his filmography. Exactly. But I think not for what, I think people were like, this is going to be super eight. Right. Like I think Mm -hmm. they thought Mm -hmm. it would be another, like we're going to be in a sci-fi world with kids and it's going to celebrate the genre and like all this shit. And Jeff was like, I'm going to give you a movie about cults. Yeah. God and fathers and sons. 
it's and it's really it's really aloof too of all yeah. of his movies it's yeah. really remote emotionally yes and i think it's you're just tough. asked to care i don't yeah. know necessarily if he works enough to make you care well yeah. then this is one of the major complaints about loving when it comes out and it mm-hmm. plays can and ultimately it gets the nomination for ruth nega who is in tremendous who's incredible in that movie but it mm-hmm. is understated in a way that especially movies of that type of like true life subject matter like people expect it to function in a certain way that I don't think Jeff Mm. Nichols is all that interested in. And in Loving, it's kind of partly the point that, like, these were people who have an, um, like, incredibly important role in American history, but these were people who just wanted to live their lives outside of that type of, you know, Yeah, it is not really, like, a biopic. Like, it is not really... You right. know, it doesn't follow necessarily, I think, the beats that that subgenre have sort of, like, distilled in us to follow. Yeah, It's a biopic that meets its subject on their own terms. And, like, yes. those terms yes. are not necessarily what people want out of, you know, a historical biopic. Yes. He's talked about how Loving was the movie where he felt like he finally came into a good sense of what to do with a camera, how to move a camera. Like he said, like mm-hmm. so much of like his films were this learning process. A lot of mud is on Steadicam and mm-hmm. he's talked in the after aftermath of like Steadicam was good for mud, but I don't think that's what I want to really do. And he's, uh, he said loving was the movie where he finally felt confident that he knew what he was doing mm-hmm. with the camera. And he said, part of that was that loving wasn't necessarily his story. It wasn't like, uh, like take shelter or mud, these scripts that he had written that loving, even though I do feel like he has screenplay credit, he does have screenplay credit, but he was like, this isn't my story. He I has telling, an emotional distance. From I am it telling somebody else's story. So that allowed me to sort of play the technician right. on that one. And, I think that does make sense. And there are places in that movie, I think the casting of Nick Kroll, I think of especially, where you sort of inject a little bit of personality just through the casting. Mm-hmm. I think I think Kroll's really interesting in that movie, actually. I, um, I think the problem with that movie, especially in the emotional remoteness of it, is Joel yeah. Edgerton's performance. Because it's mm-hmm. like, he's, he's, he's so doing taciturn. what he's tasked to do, mm-hmm. but yeah. it's not because of i think the actor's limitations or maybe ultimately the actor's correctness for the role is mm-hmm. just not that interesting to watch i yeah. do think though that i like it i like lo- loving i've al- i always got the sense during that awards season that i liked loving a little bit better than maybe the consensus of it was but i was glad that at least ruth nega was able to get that oscar nomination mm-hmm. from it because um she really was tremendous at it and it was not a guarantee no, up until that it was day. Not like, a guarantee. Yeah. And more and more, I'm like, is this going to happen again? Or mm. like, yeah. what mm-hmm. is going to go down? Because passing was completely blanked, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes, it was. Yeah, she's really good in that too. Yeah. yeah. I feel like Netflix put their eggs in the don't look up basket this past mm. Oscar. They did. Uh, they did. Yeah, which is a choice, I suppose. Which is a basket. It sure is a basket. (laughs) It's got some holes in that basket. That because uh, people didn't dislike 
people didn't like the film that we are actively making the environment worse, but it's actually yeah. I heard that. I, I heard that someplace. Yeah, yeah. I heard yeah that. Someone said that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. So I definitely like. I feel like of those two, it's it's just, it's so interesting to me that basically like it wasn't even a decade, right? It's like nine years of movies, and then it's now been like six years of nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are we are ready, Jeff. Come back yeah. to us, Jeff. And yeah, I think, and because I didn't read anything about alienation, like how did he? Did he? You said that he gave a lot of interviews. So, like, what was did he? What was his vision? Like, did he discuss what he wanted to do with the movie, and then it just obviously got canceled, or like how much work do we think went into it? I think he put a lot of work. I think he really thought this was going to be his big. I know the budget was pretty big on it, mm-hmm. and that he wanted to. Go because he he wanted to keep the title, but essentially tell a very very different story than what the movie was, than what the original movie was. And mm-hmm. he didn't really go into specifics, but it was about this sort of you know assimilation of an alien uh, uh, population into society. And he just okay. seemed very excited about it. He didn't really go into a ton of specifics, not in the interviews that I read, mm-hmm. but you could just feel how jazzed he was about mm-hmm. this project, which makes me feel like ultra just heartbroken that yeah. it got taken away from him by this dumb corporate merger that was not good for anybody and ruined Fox Searchlight and ruined... I was going to say, after Jeff the Nichols merger thing. happened and was bad, though, things got good again. It didn't Everything get fine. demonstrably worse. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that is so fascinating. I'm also reading about Yankee Comandante, which is... Yeah, that's the Che Guevara. Yeah. yeah, so like apparently Adam Dry would play Alex William Alexander Morgan, who was a U.S. citizen who fought in the revolution, mm. leading rebels that fought against the Cuban army. That's so actually, at least it's not Adam Driver as yeah, Shay. but that's pretty interesting. I feel yeah. like those again, if we're talking about like how good Nichols is at these like outsider characters who you feel drawn to because mm-hmm. of their like outlaw quality or their otherness or whatever yeah. it is. I feel like that could be interesting. However, like I do want directors to know that there are other actors than Adam Driver. <laughs> yeah. not, like, I, like I love Adam, Adam Driver, Driver, but I feel you. But there's yeah. a lot of Adam Driver. I mean, speaking of Michael Mann, uh, Adam yeah, Driver Ferrari. is now famously Italian. Uh, he is a Ferrari, so Gucci. Next he will be... Luigi Mario. I was going to say yeah. the Chef Boyardee story. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. It feels like yeah. the year, what was it? Was it 2019 that like Caleb Landry Jones was not everything? You want to talk yeah. about my nemesis. My is it nemesis Caleb, Landry, is Caleb Jones? Landry Jones? I love him. Yeah. I love him. Chris, He's very good. Beef, Chris? He's bad. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> Unequivocally. I mean, like, bad. just... I, I I've talked about it before about how I think he actively derails Get Out by showboating. Wow. I like I, okay. I I th- I think he's just generally speaking a showboat um in a way that I find very off-putting. He's a fun little creep and I love him. <laughs> I fell somewhere in the middle, I think. All right. Is, Good. We yeah. we are Goldilocks and the Three Bears of yeah. Game of Landry Jones. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um Let's talk about Take Shelter, though, for half a second. It's sort of the, the, the Nichols movie we haven't really talked about. Love that movie. I, I always felt like I liked it a good deal less than everybody liked it at the time. And that was mm-hmm. part of my whole I'm not quite there with Michael Shannon thing. Mm-hmm. But the movie is definitely very impressive as mm-hmm. a visual 
sort of yes. statement of here I am, I'm a director that's going to mm-hmm. be doing some cool Which shit. is so interesting to hear Jeff Nichols say that he wasn't visually assured previously because that's like so Take bizarre. Shelter is like yeah. almost impenetrably visually precise. Like, And even mud. I mean, we keep talking about the boat in the treehouse because yes, it's odd, but also mm-hmm. like he captures it in this incredibly surreal way i mean that movie makes the most of these found locations to sort of all of those shots in. on the beach are stunning <laughs> yeah that's so interesting i mean yeah okay can i ask like how do people feel about the end of take shelter because i, I feel like it. that's what i always trip over where i'm like did it need to become literal and i can never right. quite decide well, I mean, uh, Jeff Nichols, I've read interviews with Jeff Nichols where he talks about it because it, the ending is divisive in that of movie. Yes. And it's like he he's like it's not because also some people think yes, it literally is this storm happening or no, mm-hmm. it's another dream. And mm-hmm. like he's very firm on the idea of it doesn't matter if it's real or not. Mm-hmm. What matters is that the family is together for once and like they're actually together in the shot whereas in like Mm -hmm. other ones they're like in different shots and like Mm -hmm. you know the family is a united front and that's the ultimate point of the movie he says Mm -hmm. i will say as a scene i i like the fact that it connects this movie at the end to the knowing cinematic universe where all of a sudden um michael shannon is another uh he he knows things as as nicholas cage does in knowing so Mm -hmm. there's that i like that i mean any connections to a nicholas cage film looks (laughs) (laughs) exactly oh one thing i wanted to bring up before we uh before we wrap things up is nichols has always talked about how he always envisioned mcconaughey for the role of mud but Mm -hmm. I did read that they were going to cast Chris Pine for a while. They were looking at Chris Pine that would work. for that role. That would work. That Which, would also work. Well, okay. It's an interesting idea. But it's an interesting it idea. Because it's I feel a... like I feel like you need someone of McConaughey's age. How old is Chris Pine? Wouldn't he have Chris been Pine, like 20s? I do th- yeah, I, I, don't I think agree he's with that, that. Young, like I think he's, he's going definitely to conceivably younger. be twenty nine for a am long I, time. Am I tricked by this man's skincare regimen? Like what, is, <laughs> like, what is their age disparity? I just, I think that McConaughey works because he could conceivably be like one of their dads, right? And so I think yes. you sort of need someone who is like older, grizzled in a certain way, and like seen some dark corners of life. Uh, yeah, Chris Pine is 42, Matthew McConaughey is 52. So there's a 10-year yeah, difference between the two of, of them. Need, I think you sort of need that age gap. And they have a very different physical presence. And Mike, yes. uh, Michael, Matthew McConaughey's, uh, Michael McConaughey would have been great. Um, McConaughey has like this kind of, you know, you believe that he's floating around on a boat in a river somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, physicality yeah. to it, and like I, Pine's been weird, but not this kind of weird. Before. Okay, I guess I guess this is how I'll phrase this. Like Pine has been weird, but I don't actually. Sorry, Chris Pine. I don't actually <laughs> believe that he could like rough it on a beach. For yeah, I think I'm with you. I think I'm with you. I mean, the photos of him recently would like to argue differently to you. He's been to a margarita ville or two. Yes. Um, but, that's <laughs> but, diff- but that's different, yes. I think, than like needing to exist yeah. like yeah. that. Yeah. And yeah. I think like McConaughey sort of gives you that like, this man is a little bit willing to do anything 
wild. I think, I think the who is the best Chris? Well, my best Chris is Chris Pine conversation mm-hmm. has perhaps pushed him into an area where he's maybe a little overrated. Yeah, right like I think Pine is great in like most. Everybody movies, wants to be different. In, yeah. yeah, but I don't think. Oh God, I'm gonna be reductionist. I don't necessarily <laughs> think that Chris is like. How do I say this? Uh, I want to say I don't think that Chris is like that masculine, which is not exactly what I want to say. I know you what think you mean. Matthew McConaughey would be able to beat him up in a fight. It's fine. It's fine. Yes, we all think you. so. Exactly. We it's all like, agree. I like yeah, Chris yeah. Pine. He's pretty. I want to put my face and his face together. <laughs> <laughs> but like in a bar fight, yeah. like I'm taking McConaughey in a bar fight. I do yeah. feel like it's hard to have the best Chris stance on Chris Pine because I feel like I haven't actually seen Chris Pine in anything in a while. And that's, but that's, I think that speaks to Joe's point. It's like filmography wise, like I have liked the things that Chris Pine has been in mostly, but I right. feel like he hasn't been in that much stuff. I think we're all holding on to like the perfection of Hell or High Water in various yeah. ways and how good he is in that but like yeah well, the contractor i didn't watch the contractor right he makes for a good captain kirk i'll, I'll agree with that yeah um apparently we'll he's... see it again and i thought actually he was fine in wrinkle and time like i know that wrinkle and time yeah i do too actually or whatever but i actually thought that he was very good in that um so like i enjoy him well enough you it's see his just, penis in Outlaw King. I mean, just I did watch Outlaw King. Also, I shout out too. to Aaron Taylor Johnson. I mean, he's also good in that. So good in that. He's oh, my so God. He's so in good that. in that. Like, that he's is so another good. one of those, like, did Netflix <laughs> promote this or did me and, like, five other people watch it and, like, that was it? Like, it should have I went been to the promoted. TIFF premiere of that movie Ooh. where everybody, where I literally walked out and I emailed my uh, editor and they said the thing about how you can see his penis, and he's like, yeah, right up that article. I was like, okay, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. all anybody talked about about that movie. Yeah, but other, yeah. Like, it was good. Like, it was I fine. liked it. Yeah. I, I, I didn't see it after it was re-edited after TIFF, so mm-hmm. I don't know whether... But, like, I liked the version of it. It's It was too long. It was very long at TIFF. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed it for what it was mm-hmm. uh, when I saw it. It's like it, Outlaw so. King and The King. Like, just film Twitter watch <laughs> those movies. What is David McKenzie doing? I thought that he was doing something that made me vaguely excited, but I could not tell you for the life of me what it is. What if it's TV? Are you guys going to be upset? (laughs) Probably. I mean, honestly, probably it is. I'm going to look. I'm going to look. Yeah, he's in pre-production, says, according to IMDb, on a TV show called Gemstone. Fuck yeah. I 100% Cool. (laughs) 100% Gemstone? Is this the Gemstones, the Righteous Gemstones cinematic universe? Yeah, it's just just about one of them. Yeah. (laughs) It's just Danny McBride. <laughs> oh, he did direct two episodes of Under the Banner of Heaven, which I thought okay. was an incredibly directed TV show. Yes. So, yeah. yes, I do recall yeah. that. Yes. Uh, okay, I mean, good for you, buddy. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, should we wrap things up, though, and move in the direction of the IMDb game? I feel like we should. We can. Uh, the IMDb game. Uh, Joe, why don't you explain to our listeners what the IMDb game is? Oh, we didn't. I just like just to mention it. We should mention that it won the Robert Altman Award at the uh, uh Independent Spirit Awards that year, which is their ensemble cast award. Argue a good one. It's a great one. Yeah, I think. I think sometimes they give the Altman to a movie just to sort of clear the decks for their acting categories because it means they don't have to nominate the individual Mm -hmm. uh, people. But like 
this was a real like top to bottom this cast is really 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 well and they might not have nominated the cast for anything else because was dallas buyers club indie spirit eligible because we we Uh, didn't mention that this ultimately the release and the awards uh run for this movie was mcconaughey competing with himself and it was well this was the year where all four of the independent spirit award acting winners were also the oscar winners Kate Blanchett, Matthew wow. McConaughey, Lupita Nyong'o, Jared Leto. So this was the most that like Indie Spirit Awards were were the Oscars yeah. essentially. So, so I mean, yes. you could probably make the case for it's cool that Mud won the Robert Altman Award, and like any of the other actors probably wouldn't have been nominated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's true. So yeah, uh, but yeah, really good cast, top to bottom, and uh, uh, good for it. Good for that. All right. Yes. I just, I cannot believe that Leto won. I mean, whatever. We don't have to go down that road. But looking no, at the but nominees, I know. It's... I'm like, how did this... Mm-mm. I know. I know. Who would, wait, who did he beat? No, let's, 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 he beat, oh, Gandolfini posthumously for enough said is very sad that he beat he him there. He beat Fastbender for 12 years, Will Forte for Nebraska, Gandolfini, and then Lakeith for Short Term 12. Which is a great nomination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought he was tremendous I, in that movie. God damn yeah. it. God damn it, Jared. Asshole. I know, I know, but I mean that was the that was the the Rolling Stone of that movie. Yeah, like, was, was not going to be denied. No, yeah, we all got crushed. All of us. <laughs> we did. All we of all us. got crushed. Um. All right. All right. All right now, IMDb game. Yes. Okay. Every week we end our episodes with the IMDb game, where we challenge each other with an actor or actress and try and guess the top four titles that IMDb says they are most known for. Okay. If any of those titles are television voice-only performances or not, or if any of those titles are television voice-only performances or non-acting credits, we mention that up front. Okay. After two wrong guesses, we get the remaining titles releasers as a clue. And if that's not enough, it just becomes a free-for-all of hints. Okay. Okay. All right. Roxana, as our guest, you get the uh, uh, gift, the, the, the upper hand of choosing if you give or guess first and which direction you are doing so. So if you have, you Mm. choose to give first, you can choose Joe or I to give to you. And then otherwise you will be choosing who you are giving to. Oh God. Uh, I guess I will do the one where I give first. All right. Okay. Okay. Who are you giving to? (laughs) I'll give to Joe. Okay. Okay. So you'll give to me, I'll give to Chris, and Chris will give to you. Okay. Okay. Cool. Okay. 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 So. All right. Who do you got? So I am just, I am picking someone related to Mud, or I am picking someone like Any act related to the conversation. We usually don't pick somebody from the cast in case we'd already like done research on them. Okay. For episode. Okay. Let me see. Oh God, this is so difficult. Uh, okay. You know what? I will, I will go with, because I am looking at his picture right now on the <laughs> internet. I will go with Sam Rockwell. Sam oh. Rockwell. Okay. Sam Rockwell, if he could beat someone up, could have played Mud. Yes. <laughs> Not a dance off, but Right. Yeah. Uh I'm gonna say three billboards outside of Missouri. Okay. Um Let me pull it up and see. Uh that is correct. Okay. Any is there any television? There's no television. I don't think there would okay. well, Fossey Bird, but no. Okay. Um 
Sammy Sam. Seven Psychopaths? I feel like that comes up a lot more than it should. Correct. Oh. Yes? Okay. All right. Um, I don't want it to be this, but he did get nominated for it, so I'm going to guess Vice? Incorrect. Okay. All right. There is some justice in the world. There is some justice in the world. Okay. I love that algorithms, uh, human people, uh, the entire media landscape decides to, you know, delete Vice from the memory logs from anything. And, and we do not acknowledge it ever again. Uh, your years are 2002 and 2009. Is 2009 Moon? It is. Okay. He's very good in that. Um, 2002. Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Correct. Well All right. done. He's very good in that, too. I like well him done. in that. I'm, really, yeah. I'm getting ready to lose at this game, because that was hard, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, oh Sammy rocks. Oh. All right. So I'm going to give to Chris. We okay. talked a bit about... Uh, Jeff Nichols wanting to remake Alien Nation, a movie that starred Mandy Patinkin, who we've done semi-recently on the IMDb game, and also James Kahn, who uh, Aww, recently departed. So I am going to challenge you with James Kahn. Godfather. Yes. Thief. Yes. Um... Didn't Mickey Blue Eyes show up for somebody one time? Uh, Mickey Blue Eyes. No, not Mickey Blue Eyes. Okay. Um, there's gotta be a dumb comedy in there. Um, what's, oh, Elf. No, not Elf. Interestingly. Shockingly. Two strikes. Yeah, Elf is very successful. All right, so your two years are 1990 and 2003. 1990 and 2003? Yes. Okay. Um, 2003 would have been after Mickey Blue Eyes. <laughs> yes. I love that you orient his entire career around Elf, Mickey Blue Eyes. Yes. It's got to be another dumb comedy. Um, <laughs> yes, James Conn famously of Mickey Blue Eyes fame. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, I will tell you as a hint, it is definitely not a dumb comedy. Oh, so it's a it's like a violent thing. Mm, I, I will say, no is more. it a good comedy? It's not a comedy. It's not. A Although comedy. its director might disagree Chris, because this its is director no is a laughing matter. Take this seriously, <laughs> Chris. Oh shit! I know that this is a bit. Um... The director says that it's a comedy, but it's not. I don't know if he does, but he seems like the type, the type to maybe. And he, uh, it's probably someone very pretentious. It's also, James I'm pretty sure it played festivals in 03, but it probably didn't get American release until 2004. Oh, fascinating. Okay, so I'm trying to think back to. I really love this movie. I think this director is an asshole. There could be so many. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Although he's also recently uh, been diagnosed with something that makes me feel sad. Oh, it's Lars von Trier. It's Dogville. It's Dogville. Yes. Well done. 
Um, I didn't want to say not violent because like he is sort of the violence in Dogville. Essentially, yeah. he sort of he brings the fire. He's a mobster though, so it's like yeah. Mickey Blue Eyes Core. Sure, um, yes. <laughs> Dogville famously Mickey Blue Eyes Core is how it is <laughs> categorized in the culture. Yes, 1990 though. 1990, 1990 I though. don't think is going to be a comedy. It is not. 1990. What a weird year to place. Um, yes. Big movie. Oscar movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In one like, specific case. Oh, so it won an Oscar. Mm-hmm. I would be willing to guess it was probably its only nomination that it won. Oh, so for like one performer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to double check. In 1990. Figure out what you think it's Troy. But I'm pretty sure it was just I mean, I feel like you're right. I think it was just one. But that's it sounds like it's a big performance or like a big performance in a person's career. Yes. I think oh, yeah. That's fair. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Do we think it's good? I do. Yeah. The, the performance in the movie? I okay. think both. Oh, yeah. 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 And oh, it is, is it big? It's only- it's not big. No, that was super eight. Yeah. It's not big. Um, and that was Robert Loja you're thinking of also. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he goes through it in this movie. I'll tell you that much. James Conn does? That's a good yeah. way to put it. He goes through it. Why can't I place this? I'm doing terribly today. Um, is it... He goes through it, but it's not going to be a nomination for him. Right. So, mm-hmm. is oh, it's misery. <laughs> it's misery. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I was wondering why it was taking you that long. Uh, really listeners that are gonna are gonna be yelling at me. I'm oh, sorry, fine. y'all. Fine. That's the fun fine. of it. That's the fun of the IMDb. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, if the listeners are gonna be yelling at me, Roxana, for the one that I have picked for you. You might be yelling at me. Yeah, I mean, this is probably going to be, like, extremely terrible, like, for me. <laughs> well, like, as uh, the conversation went, um, I don't get the impression you enjoy this person or you are just God annoyed by it. their regular presence. Is it going to be Jessica Chastain or is it going to be Caleb Landry Jones? It's Which... Adam Driver. Motherfucker. Ah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Adam Driver, who is of the Jeff Nichols universe because mm. he was, we don't talk about it, in Midnight He's Special. He's in Midnight Special, yeah. Um, I mean, I think Marriage Story. Correct, Marriage Story. Okay. I mean, part of me would love for it be to the re- be the report, but I feel like it's not. It's not the report, no. Okay. God. Adam Driver has been in too many films. Um, so yes to Marriage Story. No to the report. I mean, I feel like House of Gucci is too soon. House of Gucci is too soon. That's incorrect. Okay, I'll give you years. It is 2015, 2016, 2017. That's horrible, Chris. (laughs) I'm sorry. I will say, once you get one of these, you're going to get the other one. It does go big, small, big is the other thing. It's like... I mean, is there a Star Wars in there? Maybe. God damn it. 2015, (laughs) big, small, big. Is it? Oh my god! Do I even remember what they're called? 
is Force Awakens in there? Force Awakens. That's the 2015 movie. Okay. So then 2016 was probably Last Jedi? Last Jedi is 2017. So the remaining one is 2016. Uh, Hmm. Which is a smaller movie um, released by Amazon and it played can in competition. Oh, is it Patterson? It's Patterson. Oh, okay. Patterson. Which I still okay. haven't seen, Great. and people tell oh, me I'm Patterson's like... I think you would good. really like it. I think you would like yeah, Patterson a lot. I think you would yeah. like it a lot. And Goal Shift is really good in it. Yeah. Goal Shift Fahrenheit. Yes. Yeah. And um, I don't know, if it played Can and didn't win the Palm Dog, then that was a an injustice. Because I'm pretty sure it did there win is the Palm Dog. Let me Good, know. because there is good dog stuff in mm-hmm. that movie, I will say. <laughs> I'm so. sorry, can we go back it to... It won the so Palm there, Dog. There are two Star Wars movies in his known for? Yeah, and none for The Rise of Skywalker. It's 50% <laughs> Star Wars? That's crazy yeah. to me. Yeah. That yeah. is crazy. Who picks the known for on IMDb? The algorithm, the algorithm. is serious <laughs> and elusive. Okay. okay, so it's not like Adam Driver's people are like, no. you should only be known for... I have heard that it is possible to... This is Get, why we thought Glenn crash. Close is known for for a long a long time was just Fatal Attraction. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But I feel like most of them don't do that. Like yeah. it does like yeah. the algorithms fingerprints can be felt in a lot of these. I feel yeah. like much more so than I just feel like so many of them, I'm like, if that's the actor picking these, then why? why yeah, would... <laughs> like, I'm so surprised that, like, Black Klansman isn't in this. Or, like, mm-hmm. Logan Lucky. Like, I could see mm-hmm. one oh, Star Wars. Logan Lucky's so good. Yeah, Thank like, you I for loving see... Logan Lucky. Yeah. Joe and I are the... Yeah, uh, Logan Lucky's uh... great. Or even Silence. Like, how is Silence not... Okay, you know what, IMDb? <laughs> I got a lot of problems with this. <laughs> Oh man! You made me defend Adam Driver. Like, uh, see, see, what the hell? Like, come on, Adam Driver's fine. Should. He's fine. I love He's Adam. Literally Driver. everywhere, and I need I a little him. bit of a break. But mom, I love him. Um, Roxana, thank you so much for joining thank us. You this guys. was a complete blast. Oh, to get to hang out. Yeah, with this you was super fun. I completely agree. This was very fun. Well, Fantastic. definitely come back to us soon. Um, that's our episode. If you want more This Had Oscar Buzz, you can check out the Tumblr at thisadoscarbuzz.tumblr.com. You should also follow us on Twitter at had underscore Oscar underscore buzz. Roxana, tell our listeners where they can find more of you. Oh, sure. You can find my work at Vulture, uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Roxana underscore Hadadi. Uh, apologies. Normally, I'm just like thirst tweeting into the abyss. So. <laughs> not me. Not pictures of me. It's me thirstily tweeting toward others. So yeah, we are not a podcast that believes in shaming people for it's doing true. so. So <laughs> yeah. any listener that would be mad at you for that is not a listener of ours. <laughs> Thank you guys so much, Joe. Tell us where. Tell the listeners where they can find you. Yeah, I'm on Twitter and Letterboxd, both at Joe Reed, Reed spelled R-E-I-D. And I am on Twitter and Letterboxd at Chris V. File. That's F-E-I-L. We would like to thank Kyle Cummings for his fantastic artwork and Dave Gonzalez and Gavin Medias for their technical guidance. Please remember to rate, like, and review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever else you get your podcasts. Five-star review in particular really helps us out with Apple Podcast visibility. So cure our snake bites and send us downriver with a nice review. <laughs> That's all for this week, and we hope you'll be back next week for more Buzz. Bye. Bye. Bye.